spread one love, okay? Thanks for tuning in to us, the Eminem Show. Welcome back, everyone, to another awesome episode of the Eminem Show. I'm your host with the mostest, Nikki MG, and I'm here with the one, the only, the lovely J J J J J Mills. <laughs> yeah. And today we have a very awesome and special guest, Ms. Carlos. Why did I just call you Carlos? <laughs> I just put Carla and Ferris together into one. Carlos, Carla Ferris. Carlos, Carla Ferris. <laughs> Carla Ferris, Artiga, um, the owner and uh, and uh, just awesome person in general, but the owner of Wagamuffin Pet Care here in Washington, D.C., and also a fellow Dump Trump, Dumps for Action, Slate member with myself and Jay Mills. Vote hey, for all three of us. June 19th, shameless plug, vote for us, vote for us. So, uh, how's it going, ladies? What's new in the week? What's going on with your life, Jay Mills? Man, really excited about all of the campaign work that we've been doing, that we're going to be doing. It's ramping up. Um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And there's such strength in numbers, you know, just seeing so many of my slate mates and just retweeting and everybody supporting each other. Um, shout outs to Sharice uh, Crawford for coming out She's and supporting yeah, Ward 5 at the voter registration drive that we did this past weekend. And um, I mean, yesterday at Fort Lincoln. Shout outs to Gordon Fletcher also for doing that. Not sure which camera I'm supposed to be looking in. So I'm just going to... This This Hey. <laughs> so <laughs> my weekend was dope. And um, running for office is pretty cool. Uh, I forgot to talk about this when we were last there but yeah um, what is that i smoked weed with jeff sessions button for people that might not be able to fully see it what is what the hell is that about well <laughs> uh, cannabis activism comes in many different ways erasing stigma comes in many different forms and with someone who is so anti-cannabis as jeff sessions it's pretty cool to kind of put it in his face you know and say that you did things like smoke weed with them, you know? Because... We're going to have a session sesh. This was at the National Cannabis Festival on the federal property. Is that what that's about? No, or? this was the week before that. Wait, this so was, um, I'm still confused. Who was smoking weed with Jeff Sessions? Was he really... No, it was just What's a cutout of some very White House Oval Office, very official-looking backgrounds uh, that you could take a picture, you know... Oh, I get it. I get it. I actually don't think that smoking weed with Jeff Sessions would be like super fun. I, I mean, just in you think he'd blow your high? I feel like it's possible. Although he might bring cookies, I've heard that he may be a a secret Keebler elf. He looks like one a little bit. Mm -hmm. He has elfin ears, but kind of like an evil one, like yeah. an evil elf. Oh, mm. like he'd have cookies, but they'd actually be shitty. Evil. And then his like. teeth are like jagged and yellow, and like ah, children. Evil have elves my are goblins. Yeah, that's what happens yeah. when elves go bad. Yeah, kind of like like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Oh, See? I feel like that's totally. 
Hold on, they feel Jeff Sessions. You know, is. the precious. Donald cookies. Trump is my precious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I like this. Um, taking a picture with his cut out and with the little buttons and you know just gonna be like nah 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 like that's what that feels like to yeah. me you know like for someone so <laughs> anti-bud to be surrounded by people smoking and using his name association with it it's uh stick it to the man you know but you know who definitely is smoking weed i hear these days like in a major way is uh john boehner Another one of our all-time favorites. Apparently, yeah. he's like really like mega invested in the cannabis industry. Yeah. So I'm like, if Boehner is smoking, why don't why are the rest of you like? <laughs> he needs to pass the J. Uh, Seriously. I think John Boehner though, like his deal is that he wants to make sure that the marijuana industry, as it becomes legalized, is mostly just benefiting old white dudes. Yes. I feel like that's his angle. So I'm like, glad that you're on board, except also like, go fuck yourself. Exactly. <laughs> that's how I feel too. <laughs> Straight up. John Boehner, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Still. I hope he's listening. So, and Jeff Sessions too. Yeah. Really, we can't stand any of you, which is why we're on a slate together called dumb trump because it's really not just about uh disliking donald trump it's about the values that mm -hmm. um he and his administration represent that jeff sessions and and john boehner represent anyone in the like super conservative uh republican i'm in it profit over people screw your guys's health screw your guys's food screw your guys's environment we're really against those people <laughs> that uh are doing that right at this very moment. So um, speaking of that, this segues into how my week is going. So uh, just a little um, insight into my life for you all. Um, I work for the Heal Food Alliance, which is a new national organization working to transform our food and farm systems in corporate America. And Basically, um, there's this really, really ugly bill that is um, on the floor right now, and it could go to vote um, in the next couple of weeks. It's called the Farm Bill. And so I didn't know what this was until uh, earlier this year. But this piece of legislation is one of the most major pieces of legislation um, that has been it, it it gets um passed every five years a lot of bills are on like a one to two year cycle they're constantly up for, for for review this is like a bill that touches every single avenue of food and farm production from um you know how rules about who gets to farm what and where and what resources farmers get to um to SNAP benefits, supplemental nutrition assistance program benefits, to um, uh, small business loans for small farmers and helping people become organic, to uh, workers and labor's rights. It touches every single avenue of how food is um, grown, transported, produced um, from farm to table. And it's a pretty ugly bill this time around that the uh, Republicans have um, rallied around. And it, you know, it, it, this bill that they're proposing slashes um, like half of the budget for SNAP. So, like, 
literally millions of uh, families and children could go hungry. They're trying to also um, roll back the definitions of what kind of food you get if you're on SNAP benefits. So no more like healthy farm fresh food that's good for you. It's more about like government cheese and canned food again. Um, they're also trying to roll back pesticide protections. So like there's this pesticide mono something or other it to me it doesn't matter what it's called but it has been um proven to uh poison there's like multiple cases there's not multiple thousands of cases of workers being poisoned this uh pesticide has um been linked to birth defects in newborn children and um you know over the obama administration it's been cut back like you're not allowed to use this um there's a uh consequences for it. Well, Trump administration is like, hey, let's go ahead and get those pesticides back on our vegetables and get those workers poisoned again because it's cheaper, you know? So that's in this bill. There's, um, and a whole bunch of other just really, really messed up, messed up things that, uh, impact, you know, racial equity that impact the environment and all this. And so I've been, uh, mostly this week and last week, um, educating people about this farm bill and working with my team of folks to put together like a toolkit, um, so that people know how to take action. They can sign on to petition letters, they can tweet, they can set up meetings with their congressional representatives and tell them why, you know, they're impacted and they don't want this version of the farm bill to pass. So that's what I've been up to. Um, boring policy wonky stuff, but I swear to you, it's really important. I swear. And, uh, it impacts your food, you know? So, um, that's what's up in my world. And the other thing that's actually fun, I went and saw Infinity War. How was it? No spoilers. Um, it was, okay, so... It was awesome, for real, for real. Um, but I'm definitely ready for the next film. I'm like, it's a cliffhanger. I'm like, you can't leave people hanging like this. I have way too many questions. But it was a really great film. The The uh, special effects were incredible. Um, Thor, Chris Hemsworth character, kicks ass as per usual. Which, I don't know, did y'all know that there's, like, this battle online of, like, who's the best Chris in Hollywood or whatever? Because there's Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Chris Pratt, and then Chris Pines. And they're all these guys that... Um, uh, play superheroes and are kind of funny and kind of good looking. I don't know, depending on what you like or not. And so there's this online battle going for like, who's the funniest and the best Chris, Do you know about this anyway, there is. And, um, my vote is for Chris Hemsworth at this point as Thor. Do you ladies ever watch, uh, Marvel movies? Yeah. 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 I, but I'm like, a no, so I like I like Avengers and I like to enjoy that, but I have to say like I tend to be like a DC Comics. <gasps> Sorry, <laughs> I mean I like them both. I'm not like a purist or whatever, but mainly my main thing is that I really like the Wolverine. I really Wolverine is with Marvel. 
Is with Marvel? Am I mixed up? X Men is all Marvel, oh, baby. I'm sorry. Okay, Marvel. actually, I hate DC. I'm <laughs> purely Batman, Superman, uh, Wonder okay. Woman. Spider Man. No, no, no. Sp- Spider Man is is uh, Marvel. Oh yeah, also. right, right, right. He yeah. is my bad, my bad. But okay. Robin, let me see. Aquaman. Um, but yeah. I, the Green Aquaman, Lantern. Yeah. Um, Don't they have Aquaman and Avengers now too, though? No. No, I am. Ant Man is about to be a part of the Avengers. All which right. I did not do my homework. I'm super embarrassed. I'm gonna go <sighs> home and watch all the movies. <laughs> so and I'm gonna come back. There's only ten <laughs> <laughs> years worth of films that you need to catch up on. I feel like I could get that done. <laughs> I'll get it done. Which I actually did over the past. So, like, I had seen some of the Iron Man, some of the Hulk films, and the Spider-Man films. But I had to go get caught up on, like, six hours worth of Thor movies. Mm -hmm. um, The Ant-Man films, Doctor Strange. um, And also Guardians of the Galaxy, which are totally funny and badass. So Guardians. I love Guardians. Shout out to Groot, the superhero... Made of plants, made of plant life. Groot. <laughs> Groot, yes. I feel like I feel like I should have brought my six-year-old, and he would have been like, "Mother, <laughs> oh god, so so yes. terrible, mom. You need to get caught up." But yeah, yes, but I definitely like. We were watching a bunch of X Men the other night, and I was like, "Yep, they're so yeah. good. So I love X Men. Yeah, X Men is fabulous. I think X Men." I think Stan Lee, like, because, you know, Marvel, I think, was started in, like, the the late 50s or early 60s, um, writing these stories and stuff. So, like, I in my mind, X-Men is really um, a, a parody, is that the right word, of um, probably, oh, I was like, is that not the right word? A parody of... Um, uh, like Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and two different uh, um, perspectives on civil rights. Yeah, yeah. And so I love X-Men, but that's totally Marvel. Okay. I hear, I hear you. Hey, <laughs> technical I, issues. I can't read lips. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a... Anyway, so if you haven't seen uh, Avengers Infinity War, go see it. It's totally awesome. Epic battle scenes. And, of course, Black Panther is in the film, which apparently Chadwick I didn't know. Chadwick Boseman, H-U, you know. You know. Oh, wait. I didn't go there, so I'm not supposed to say that. But I always want to. <laughs> Everybody wants to. You have so to be like, go Terrapins. Go you Terps. Be like, fear the turtle. Fear the turtle. <laughs> Bison. I know, but you know I love Maryland. You Shout know, out to you. we the University of Maryland is is where we met. It is where we met. And Although, did you see? Did you see the thing? So mostly, what I do lately, like what I did this week, was I read things on the internet and got mad. <laughs> so that's what did you get so, mad about? Um, well, let's see. Let me pull out my very very <laughs> long list. Um, no, but like my University of Maryland thing that I was mad about is they had a thing where they sent out to their computer science TAs being like, so lady TAs, we need you to be prepared for people to be like, oh, I don't respect your intelligence and just be really patient about it. What? You know? And male TAs, just be prepared that your female students are probably going to try to sex you up to get a better grade. So just don't be flattered. Be, be prepared, guys. <laughs> Which is like, it's all the Who fucked is up. running the show over there? Right. Who decided that that was the good framing for 
I, <sighs> I feel like I don't actually know, but it was probably a dude. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I'm going to think, I feel like it's a safe bet. <laughs> Those are pretty good disclaimers, though. If there's <laughs> anybody who hasn't been there, just know. Like, I hope that that <laughs> warning echoes in your mind later in the semester when one of these things happen. When someone assumes, definitely as a, as a woman in that industry, that you have no idea what you're talking about. No matter what position you're in, it's mm-hmm. so frustrating. And if you're not prepared for that to deal with it from a higher place... If you got to, you know, be condescending or take offense to someone being very offensive and disrespectful <laughs> and condescending to you, you know, yeah. it's a, you got to have it in mind in advance that people are going to going to think this, even though you're the teeth, even though you're in this position. Yeah. yeah. They still it's like I've been like so crazy. I've been a pet sitter for like 13, 14 years and I still have uh I still get mansplained about dogs when people are like, you know, really? you know, if you let that dog off the leash, it would be happier. And I'm like, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that, sir. I appreciate your input on my job. But like are you paying my <laughs> pet insurance, my liability? Yeah. And then How about you cough that up? <laughs> and the flip of it, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's stereotypical to think that a guy in that position may not have gotten a lot of attention. From hot girls, <laughs> I mean at the, of college age. The oh, you mean the the TAs? Yeah, at the computers. But also like oh, that all the ladies like all we ever do. The only way we get ahead is by just fucking someone to get a better grade. No, it's just not the all. only way. Not all. Just most. Not <laughs> even most. It doesn't <laughs> even take that many <laughs> to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> all it takes is one. Well, I'll tell you this. When I was in college, I totally dated one of my teachers. And I'll tell you this. What? I did not get a better grade just because of that. In what? fact. Oh, that sucks. Because we had <laughs> no. because we had an actual like relationship and he knew my brilliance, he graded me harder. He had higher standards for me because he knew I could do better. I was so what? mad. What class? I can't disclose that. Oh, never mind. I better just give you that A. I can get all the Ds you want, but boy, I better get that A, though. I still got an A in the class. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But still, like, on each of my papers and stuff, I was mad. Like, he'd give me a B sometimes. He'd be like, I know you can do better. He ever give you that D? (laughs) (laughs) On anything? (laughs) Stop. So. Did you earn a D? Never. I did earn a D. <laughs> <laughs> but you got an A. That's what matters. Um, yes. But still, um, and I totally it wasn't it wasn't, you know, for, for for them saying to the male TAs like beware your female students, that message was for people like me. Yeah, but you weren't trying to get a better grade. You had already rocked that class like no, before yeah. you even took it. Like, I was I were was you? I was. Um, I was. Being honest. <laughs> oh, you were trying to get a better. No, no, I wasn't. No, 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 I wasn't trying to get a better grade. No. no, no, no. Sorry, I misinterpreted. No, I, I. This was a class that I enjoyed very much. I, you know, I pretty much got straight A's through college, except for like I'm three or four classes. Trying to narrow it down, I'm like class. That You'll you never, <laughs> never find out. What year was it? <laughs> I've never had a professor. I was attracted now in high school. There were some teachers that could have got the business, but in high school, oh my gosh, I had crushes on high school teachers. Illegal, so illegal, illegal. Yes, 
But Mr. Mr. White, Mr. D. White. Mm. <laughs> Shout out to Mr. D. White Ms. if you're watching. Mr. Hardy. <laughs> I had a I had a crush on one Greg of my college Hardy. TAs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was what, like, what class? I can't <laughs> even tell you because no, I know it's crazy. Um, no, actually, it was it was it was Jewish studies, and um, I'm not Jewish, but I really liked to go to the those well, classes. <laughs> and and um, he uh, he used to tuck his sweatshirt into his pants, and I'd be like, yeah, like, wow, yeah. so cool, oh yeah. <laughs> and I took two classes with him, and then I was like, I seem weird so i was like are you gonna ta next <laughs> semester like this other like jewish history class and he was like no i'm not taing that and i was like cool and i signed up for it and then i walked in on the first day and he was there and i was like shit like i just keep looking like a weirdo to this guy it was terrible <laughs> you were like i'm following you i was like hey i thought you were gonna be here <laughs> he was like yeah. ah you're weird I was like i know but it's my yeah. lot in life Mm-hmm. It is actually so. Jay Mills, Carla, and I met at University of Maryland. Uh, what was that? Two thousand two thousand one, something like that. Mm-hmm. We both lived in the same dorm, but we lived on opposite sides of the dorm, so we never really interacted with each other. But I worked at the front desk as a community assistant, and Carla was this like very jovial, friendly, but a little weird person that would just randomly come up and like tell me how her night was going and stuff like that. And that's how we became friends initially. I like to talk to the people at the (laughs) the cashier in the checkout line. I'll be like, let's talk about groceries. And they're like, oh, God this lady again <laughs> can you imagine though like <laughs> rewind to 2001 and could you imagine that in 2018 we would be r- both running on a slate together no. for dc public office it's it's very fateful it is very it was fateful. fateful that we became yeah. friends yeah yes it's, it's one of like you're one of the few people that i'm still friends with from college like same uh, yeah same it's good. it is good you're a cool human being you're cool too carla <laughs> <laughs> I have friends too. They're not here now. <laughs> but I do have them. Hello, friends. You can be an honorary <laughs> Fear the Turtle Terrapin if you want. You want to be an honorary Terp? She's like, uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm sorry. I. You know what? I will say that you guys had wonderful dorms. Um, shout outs to my man, Josh Wilson. Um, who went to University of Maryland, went on to be drafted, go Josh, um, to Seahawks first. Mm. Um, but yeah, so while he was there, uh, shout out to my bestie, Jasmine, hey, um, when we would visit, when I visited his dorm, okay, Howard, I don't know if you've ever been to Howard's dorms. I've driven past them, some of them Howard's don't look so good these days yeah um they call it preserving the legacy you know i'll never forget when uh uh, my my great-grandmother came to visit and she was like this is exactly how it looked (laughs) when i was here in 1938 (laughs) so you know there's that there's that charm (laughs) i guess you can call it um, but you know, going to UMCP, it was like, wow. Yeah. Just everything was wow. Uh, 
Yeah, everything was wow. That's the dorms why I were to like, go there. you guys got elevators. Wow, and they all work. Oh my God. You got kitchens in your room? What? I didn't know that. Uh, some of them, some of them. Like the apartments. Yeah, the apartments. Yeah. And then right. there was like the shared lounge areas with that the microwave yeah. and the hot water. Yeah, I was, I was too weird to go there. People were frowning like, off at a community no. microwave. We had to pay for our micro fridges. Oh, no. And have a community microwave. Community <laughs> lounge was where it was at on my floor. We'd mm. all go in there and hang out for hours. Oh, my God. It was so college, like a sitcom. <laughs> Now I think about it, like just hanging out, like so happy to be around young adults, different people. <laughs> College was cool. That, that um Howard experience was was very interesting. Yeah. But um shout outs to just going to college, yeah. Yeah, get your education, kids. It's like camp Hopefully. for people who are too young to be just out in the world really. I mean, you could be. People do it every day, you know. I mean, yeah, it's cool, but it's kind of it's expensive. It's kind of cool to have the excuse of those four years that I was in college. Tuh. I mean, You're just dusted under the college rug. I I value my college experience and what I learned, what I actually learned there. Um, I value the relationships and like managing my life. You know, like a pre-step to being an adult. I value that. Yeah. However. Um, with, with what I do now <laughs> as a, um, <clears throat> a social advocate, uh, a fundraiser, um, a mobilizer, I kind of feel like I didn't need to go into $60,000 worth of debt in order <laughs> to do this work, but I love you anyway, Maryland, and maybe one day you'll actually be repaid by all of my loans. But in the meantime, that's why I've been fighting for living wages and affordable public education, free public education for all, which that's a conversation for another day. But anyway, we value education at this table. I know that. Yeah. I know that. Yes. I use my bachelor's degree in history every day as a dog walker. Comes in handy. So tell us more about Wagamuffin. How did you get started off? How did you get a college degree in history and then end up being a dog walker and a successful business entrepreneur? So the Smithsonian, like, didn't hire me. It was very strange. I did email them, and I didn't hear anything back. So I needed a job. I got a terrible corporate job. Um, I was working at American Express Financial Advisors, which was really funny. I was just a glorified, like, glorified telemarketer. Uh. And I'd call people and be like, let me organize your monies. And they'd be like, do you have any money? And I'd be like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just graduated from college. I don't have any of that. Um, they're like, do you have a degree in this? No. <laughs> so then after a while, like three months, I was like, I can't actually do this job at all. And I quit one day and um my sister was a dog walker so I got a job I talked to her boss and got a job as a dog walker and then I met a dude and he was like can can I walk your dog and I was like no I'm a dog walker this is my dog that I'm walking and he was like well do you want to work for me and I was like no I don't know you and then he was like well do you want to go out on a date and I was like 
no. <laughs> <laughs> I kept running into him. We're married now. So <laughs> he encouraged me to start my own service. So that's how I got started. But dog and walking, it's a, it's a great way to spend your days. It's very pleasant. It is. And I actually used to be a dog walker for Carla for oh. a little while. Okay. And mm-hmm. I never, ever would have thought, oh, I'm going to become a dog walker. But mm-hmm. um, no one does. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of happened. And then I was like, this is pretty awesome. You get to walk around. And D.C. is such a beautiful city. So it's like you literally are walking around smelling the roses and the tulips and just enjoying, you know, the architecture and the sights and sounds and the people and just kind of, you know, like meditating, you know, for, for the majority of the day. And, and you can make uh, pretty decent pretty decent money uh, walking dogs. Um, but... Um, Segway? <laughs> Segway on a dog? Yeah, it has nothing to do with dogs. Oh, God. It's just about easy money. But, <laughs> but oh, Jesus, it's like, so horrible. It's a, great, it's a great job for people that like want to have their own independent thing because it yeah. doesn't require a bunch of upfront money. Like It just requires that you like go make connections and... Yeah, and get started. I mean, it's it's great. I know a bunch of people that have launched like they started out working with a service and then they launched their own thing and they're totally independent now. It's amazing. Yeah, I almost did that myself, and then oh yeah, I yeah. got bit by a dog, and then I got chased down the street by someone else's dog, and I was like, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty terrifying. Yeah, you know, but when I walk dogs for you, um, I only had like one mean dog, and it was that little puppy Chow Chow that oh, needed God, I remember desperate that training. <laughs> but otherwise, all of my dogs for you were like pretty friendly. And then when I started walking dogs on my own over this past year, which again, just to um, reiterate what Carla was saying, it was very easy for me to like get my own route started and making a pretty steady um, weekly income from it, you know? So, um, shout out to that is awesome. It is definitely a great way to, uh, build some independence and start your own company. But, um, I wasn't as good at like vetting the dogs as you were. So I definitely, um, was walking this one dog who the owner was like, yeah, sometimes he just doesn't want to be walked. He flips out a little bit. If that happens, like, it's okay. You just don't have to walk him. But he's always generally pretty friendly. So I'm like, all right, cool. This dog was not cool at all. He would just flip out pretty much every time I came there. And so I would I'd be like, well, I have to walk you, you know. Like, I came all the way here for him to walk you. And so I learned how... Like he, he definitely became the master of me though, basically, and not the other way around. And one day he just like went berserk and definitely bit me in my thigh, like drew blood in my thigh, furious and growling, guarding the door, wouldn't let me move. And I was like, if I let this dog out in this apartment building, he could attack a child or something. It was scary. Like I actually cried. Like, is it, I'm minimizing the story, but this was really scary. And, um, I called the owner and like, he came rushing home and dealt with it. But you know, this dog was a rescue and they didn't know exactly what kind of dog he was. They didn't know his full background or anything. So it's just like, you never know what some animals have actually been through in their life that, um, triggers them and makes them set off, you know? So 
Sounds like some humans I know. Uh, yeah. Just thinking yes. that. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> so many people like that too. <laughs> it is. Is you know I was just Sounds. like. It was. It was intense. It's a universal so story. It is. Careful so. who you walk with, yo. For real. It's true. Never I know, know you have triggers. some some interesting dog horror stories and cuddly awesome stories and whatnot over there but a little um, little of each dog walking in dc so there's the dogs right that are can be awesome or like scary and flippant sometimes but then there's also the humans (laughs) that own them that can be a little crazy you meet a lot of humans yeah, you meet a lot of humans. Yeah, um, it's a real cross section. Interesting. I remember one time you told me there was a client that wanted you to actually like pick up the poop from the dog's butt, like before it hit the ground. Right? There was something <laughs> like that, and then yeah, no, what? I have many like probably too gross for radio. Or they wanted stories. you to like, oh no, it's fine. <laughs> they want and another client that wanted you to like wipe their dog's butt. So or the something, one, the like, one that was real. the one that was really really awesome. Um, we got uh, it was like me and you remember this? Um, you remember Drew Edmondson? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got this voicemail because he was managing at the time, and it was this lady, and she was like, "My dog has a hemorrhoid, and I bought all these finger gloves, and so after my dog poops, I just want you to like push the hemorrhoid back in with the oh, finger glove." No. And Drew's, Drew's comment was like, "Dude, why, why didn't she just buy the whole glove?" <laughs> anyway, so we were like, "No, we can't do it." <laughs> We didn't do that, um, but yeah, no. There's there's amazing hilarious stories. Jay Jay is like, Carla Ferris is so gross. Nikki, why'd you bring her here? No, <laughs> no. We're talking about this is DC culture, yo. Like there are people in DC with so much money that they think they can pay you to push their dog's hemorrhoid back in their butt. It's like, true. Like people are crazy here in the district. Oh, do you want to hear? Out of touch. Do you want to hear the most racist thing I ever heard a client say? What? It was really racist. It was really racist, and I didn't know what to do, and I just was like, I have to leave, and I left. Um, She was super, super rich. She lived, like, two blocks from the cathedral, the National Cathedral, and one time I was like, she would always tell me about, like, how her life was hard and life wasn't fair, and did she mention about her youngest child? She had gotten him into Yale. Did I know he was going to go to Yale? Was I aware he was going to play lacrosse at Yale? Did I know it was early admission? My life is so hard. My husband is a surgeon. My housekeeper only comes three days a week. It really sucks. I'm just tired of my life. And one of my dogs is old, but really he's my husband's dog. And she's my husband's dog. And she keeps pooing on the floor, and it's horrible. And, you know, nobody likes to clean up piss and shit. That's why they enslaved the African Americans. And I was like, so you're just super evil. So I exited the situation, and I really wish that I had handled it differently. But that is a story of like, like things that happen in D.C. in the dog walking scene. You meet a lot of like very privileged, horrible people, out of touch, super out of touch. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A s- sorry, it's a it's a downer of a story. Hey, man, it's D.C. We talk about D.C. culture, the good and the bad here. We're the people for the people, but there are some people that are really out of touch with the people. She did have a picture of herself with John McCain in her dining room, so. I'll let you know what time it was. <laughs> I didn't think that was that racist, though. Uh, I mean, this is why they enslaved the African-Americans. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 
I'm like borderline, borderline. Mm, I mean, I, it is racist. She's she's insinuate well to me anyway. She's insinuating that oh, don't that's you what miss we're the good, good old for. days yeah. when you had slaves. Like that's what we're good enough to clean <sighs> that up. That was definitely how I interpret it. Like, you know, why yeah. Did, why did it have to end? But could help know, so hard to find. I remember back uh, in the days when you had a slave and they would just do shit like this. Now, I mean, what am I supposed to ask my housekeeper? She's only here three days a week. I was going to say, like, the, the fuck? Am I supposed to let this just stay here until <laughs> she comes in? I just, and then she's not going to do it. She's just, I don't have to pay her extra. God, I remember when help was free. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was just, I mean, I don't know. And, but you know, racism or racist comments come out of people of all socioeconomic levels. Mouth, I was, and towards all different people. I that comment reminded me of this time when I lived in Mount Pleasant. I lived in a group house, and um, the owners of this group house they were they they were crazy. That group house, they were crazy, straight up. <clears throat> it, it, anyway, <laughs> they're crazy, and. Um, the, the the whole group house situation was shady in the first place because the building that the house had burned down the the previous year like there was a big hole in the roof the whole thing didn't burn down but part of the roof and excuse me part of the second floor had burned down so they had spent like a year and a half rebuilding and fixing the house and then like wanting getting people to move back in as a group house so i was the very first person that was like yeah i'll move back in here and um, um, they hadn't, like, established all of their house rules or whatever by then. So after, like, two or three weeks of living there, the daughter of the owner convenes all of us that are living there at this point and explains to us that uh, we are going to have to do capital improvements projects on their house um, for, like, eight hours a week. And that if we didn't do it, they would basically charge us an additional $100 on top of our rent for not working there. Mind you, I was already paying, like, eight seventy five for a room in Damn. a house with no air conditioning. Sheesh, <laughs> what year was this? Uh, this was not that long ago. This was, no. like, five, six years ago. Mm, makes sense. Because um, I had Mia already, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um... So, so they were just like a crazy people. And that's when I learned all about like my tenants rights and that DC actually has really, really strong, tight, uh, tenants rights laws here. Um, and so like I didn't do what they wanted me to do. And I got my lawyer friends to like help me prepare statements and they were not happy with that. So they, um, told the wife of the owner, like she had moved out and separated her crazy self from her crazy husband and crazy daughter, but she was crazy too. So she would still come over and I, she came over one day and she was like, you're the troublemaker. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess so. And, um, she, uh, she said, well, you're very smart though. And she was like, she said something to the effect of, you know, people who are smart like you are going to be the ones managing the Mexicans who are on the corner right now, hmm. basically. And it was out of the blue and it was unwarranted. And I'm like, why are you saying these words at all about anything at all? And then after she said that, she then like commanded me to like get a hammer and like, do some work on the house or whatever. And I was like, I'm good. I'm out. But 
Um, this was someone who I think owns uh, a part of one house and who, you know, definitely has, you know, like a southern draw and came from working class background. Um, but still. Yeah. Comes in all these different forms. Oh, yeah. I mean. The microaggressions. That's, uh, so my my husband and the father of my kids is Latino. And that's like when my family member, whose association won't be said, um, was like, look at them little Hispanic babies. Where did you get them Hispanic babies? I was like, I mean, clearly from... <laughs> From my husband, <laughs> who is Hispanic. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. Uh, like, family. I know I know you know about that, too. Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> Good old folks from Western Maryland. Not exposed to as many people and cultures as we are here in the district, which is why we both live here. So, but yeah, um... Taking it forward one day at a time, leading our lives with love, not being racist, and um, doing the damn thing. So you've been dog walking um, an owner of your own company for almost a decade now? More than, uh, almost 13 years. 13 years, yeah. And so um, in addition to being a successful business owner, shout out to Wagamuffin, Pecare. Where can people find information about your dog walking company? um, We have a website. It's uh, wagamuffin.com. W-A-G-A-M-U-F-F-I-N. Dot com. Dot com. Wagamuffin.com. We'll repost that on the uh, Facebook site and our Instagram for folks who are interested. Awesome, great dog walking company. Awesome walkers. Really friendly service. Serving Northwest and... We're like not even all the way around Northwest yet. So we're still like, you know, 13 years, but we're still like relatively small. Small business. (laughs) Hey, man. Small business. Providing uh, awesome jobs for folks and taking care of people, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Pleasant way to live. So in addition to being a successful small business owner, um, you are also a mother of two awesome children Mm -hmm. and uh, have been fiercely advocating for their equal education um, in DCPS. So tell us a little bit about where your kids go to school. I know they go to two different schools and, um, the, the pros and, and cons or differences that you see, uh, between the two different schools. Oh, sure. So, um, so my son is at Powell Elementary School in Ward 4 and my daughter is at Oyster Elementary School in Ward 3. Um, Powell, this is my sixth year as a Powell mommy, um, and it's my third year as an oyster mommy. And, I mean, the differences are really stark. Um, so in terms of in terms of privilege, I mean, obviously, like, oyster has got a ton of privilege. Um, but it's not just about, it's not just about money. I mean... That was a loaded statement, but like, well, what is what is the oyster school first of all? Oh, sure. For people that don't know, sure. It's um, I mean, it's a bilingual school. It's a it's a pre K four through eighth grade campus. It's got two separate buildings, but um, Powell is also bilingual. It goes pre K three through fifth grade, 
Um, and Powell, um, so Powell's an amazing school. Like, definitely shout out to Powell because it's got some of the most dedicated, amazing teachers I've ever met in my life. They're fantastic. And, I mean, the teachers at Oyster have been fabulous, too. Um, but you'll notice, like, and I think that, you know, any parents that have dealt with DCPS will know, depending on where you are and which side of the park you're on, the discipline is totally different. So like at Powell, kids are expected to be silent in the hallways. And as they walk around in the hallways, like you get in trouble if you speak. They're kids. They're gonna do that. You know, whereas at Oyster, like they holler and scream like a kid will and it's, you know, whatever, like it's (laughs) fine because they're children. Um, You know, you have like, you have the pre-K kids. There's also, there's uniforms at Powell. There's no uniforms at Oyster. And, you know, there are reasons there are reasons why people like uniforms, um, but it's also, I mean, when you look at, like, which schools have uniforms and which schools don't, primarily what you find is that schools in higher-income areas, like, they're allowing kids to express themselves with their clothing, um, and in other areas, like, no, we're not going to let them do that. Um, we're going to restrict their recess if they didn't walk in a straight enough line out to the playground like they're going to go back and they're going to try it again like it's that kind of stuff like there are those very basic civil rights issues in DCPS and it's 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 very disturbing um it was something that like I had a brief conversation with um the chancellor we just (laughs) lost about it and he I mean like he knew exactly what it was and and they don't know I feel like they don't really know how to tackle it Um, but if you also look at, there's something, um, schedule autonomy that some DCPS schools have, guess which ones? Um, so DCPS has certain requirements of what kids have to do each day and how much of it they need to do. So like a two hour literacy block, a 90 minute math block, you know, they've got these different blocks. Well, if you are at a school on one side of the park, you are much more likely to have schedule autonomy. So they get to decide to, you know, to some extent, like there's still certain boxes they have to check, but surprise, surprise, their kids end up getting a lot more recess. So we have kids in these schools that are, you know, they're, the expectation for their ability to control themselves is very high. The amount of physical activity they're getting is way too low. And a lot of these kids, you know, they're in, in all schools, like there's aftercare programs, but if you're in a school that is, Uh, an affluent school you're going to have a bunch of like cool enrichment activities that happen in the aftercare Um, whereas at a school like Powell and like I don't I really don't want to crap on Powell because I do think it's an amazing school Um, like those kids they've just finished a long school day and at the end of the day they have to do what's called power hour the first hour of aftercare is homework for an hour those kids need to go run otherwise they're just going to be assholes because that's what happens when you don't let kids run around. So, um, so it's been really eye-opening to see some of the like some of the differences between the two schools, even beyond sort of the obvious stuff of like, oh well, if people can throw a ton of money at the school, like they can afford to buy, you know, extra enrichment activities for those kids. But, um, but it's really, I mean, there's there's very basic, there's major basic civil rights issues with DCPS, and it's it's a problem. Um, yeah. And then there's also, I mean, there's, um, I 
I think I mentioned to you, so there are other, there are other things that you see in doing advocacy work with DCPS um, in terms of some, you know, systemic racism that you'll find, like they, DCPS closed the middle school that Powell used to feed into, McFarland Middle School. So they closed it before I was really aware of school stuff because my kids were really little. Um, and guess which kids went to that school? Oh, it was, it was African-American kids that went there. And their parents didn't want that school to be closed. But it didn't matter what they wanted. The school got closed. Then they had a bunch of, like, white affluent people were starting to move into the Powell community and started to be like, oh, my God, my kids, in, middle school. My kids <laughs> in pre-K-3 and we have no middle school. And DCPS was like, what? Oh, my gosh, white people, yes, yes yes, we can reopen that school for you. Um, obviously, nobody said that, but that's what happened. Um, but did they reopen it and let all the kids that had gone there before come back? No. No, they found a way to keep those kids out. They made it a dual-language track that was going to roll up from starting in sixth grade. So they, you know, there is a period of years, so kids that would have been in sixth grade when McFarlane closed, I don't think they would have had the opportunity to go there by the time it reopened. But they were very careful to make sure that it was a specific population that was going to come up through that school. And, like, it is primarily Latino. I mean, this is not, I'm not, we're not talking about, like, children of privilege. But I believe that the main reason that they did that, based on meetings with the community, was that they had people saying things like, well, is there a way to make it an application-only school? what about an application-only strand? Or what if we make it so the kids have to be fully bilingual and they have to test in? So I think that that's the kind of thing that people really need to be organizing around and aware of and, and fighting back against um, in DCPS. Yeah. I think Jay looks upset. How's your experience <laughs> been with Jelani? Is, what, is, is Jelani in DCPS yet, or what's... What's uh? Yeah, what he, have you been going he goes through? Goes to charter school. It's funny. I was um texting back and forth with his godfather because he's having some tough times at school. Um, I don't know. I think of the film Waiting for Superman, and I also think of this other documentary called uh, Schooling the World: The White Man's Last Burden. And in the nation's capital, we just see. I mean, words to my, my campaign slogan, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And the way that they manipulate a person of color's interaction with education is... I, I just don't even have a word for how, how corruptive it is. I'm happy <clears throat> that he goes to a good charter school where they're patient, and, um, you know, other schools that would have just kicked him out, you know, after the first outburst or um, just don't know how to deal with uh, children of color, whether they're male or female. Um, you look at the disparity in the rates of, like, um, suspensions and expulsions and um, putting someone in a track trying to say that they have, uh, that they're slow or, you know, all, all of these different things that factor in times, a learning environment that from a very young age is not fun. You hate school from age three, and they want you in there at three, full day at three, four, five. 
My son is so sad at school. He doesn't doesn't like it. And um, I mean, I'm a a great um, teacher at home, you know, making sure that I did my part. You know, he came into pre-K already knowing what the letters look like, what they sound like, um, you know, color shapes, all these things. And there's so many different factors also, you know, when you look at culturally, family life, but, you know, we can't look at things isolated. We can't look at the schools without looking at the libraries, and the parks, and the community centers, and a lot of other things that can support and reinforce the, the neighborhood and whatnot, where you have schools that have community centers on site. They have that type of facility that allows for this extracurricular activity to happen versus a school that, I mean, you could just look at them from the outside and start seeing the differences because they're not even built for that level of capacity. You have schools that have greenhouses and you have schools that can't even get good heat. Like, there's so many stark differences um, a couple school chancellors ago, I think it was Michelle Reed that was like, forget the public schools, just give them charters and then you do it right. You little charter school you. Some of them got it right. Some of them got it horribly bad. Some people's education was just wasted with mismanagement. And it's, it is so horrible, really, what, it, what is going on. But, you know, I think about, the, the, again, the ultimate nature of what exactly is it that we are learning what is the point of us going to school? What are they teaching us? And what do we actually really need to know? You know, we learn about presidents. We don't learn about local government. They don't spend our time every year making sure that we know about the people who actually matter in your day-to-day life. You learn about stuff that has no relevance and you memorize these facts. You memorize lies about who discovered the world. They teach you lies. And a person of color or any other race is not going to want to go to school and they're not going to want to learn that. They are not going to want to learn history because it is lies. And we know it in our soul. We know it. We know that it's lies. And it's like, so the way that we act out and the way that we can manifest these different things when you sit and tell us that this triangle is called the Pythagorean theorem because the Greeks discovered that when there are pyramids that stand and we're supposed to listen, we're supposed to sit down and hear that the greatest writers are all Caucasian and the first book ever written was the Canterbury Tales. Really? I was on It's (laughs) Academic. I had to memorize a lot of things. And I also have, you know, this quest for learning. And it amazed me that, you know, what is considered to be your standard education and what's extracurricular, even as a woman. Uh Women didn't write anything uh, that you need to know. That's a whole nother class you might take in college or you might take in high school if you go to a high school that teaches women's lit. Like the whole whole (laughs) thing is a sham. And right now in the information age with the internet and people being able to teach themselves so much, these kids able to know so much, they see the bullshit for what it is. They're not going for it anymore. (laughs) They're like, yo, why am I here? What am I learning? What is this for? What am I? And they're right. Like, what is it for? But people do have a thirst for knowledge and education and elevating themselves. Mm -hmm. And so what, what are the alternatives, you know? what I mean, my son goes to City Arts and Prep, which is fully immersive in uh, performing arts. It's crazy. Like, last year, he's telling me about Henry Matisse. 
and Picasso and, you know, all these other artists um, and musicians. He knows about all the instruments and, you know, he's in the space and I'm, I'm happy, but I know that, like, this is a charter school. This is not what you're going to get at any other school. This is not just education, you know. Shout outs to Stokes, Elsie Whitlow Stokes. They do fully immersive in um, French and Spanish. Bell Multicultural High School. There's a lot of really great schools. Shout outs to Banneker. Shout outs to McKinley Tech. Um, man, DC Prep. Friend, uh, Friendship Collegiate Academies. Uh, the Seed School. Um, there's some really good schools, but again, it's, it's a bunch of people, individuals. Shout outs to all the awesome teachers that go outside of the curriculum and the standardized tests that you have to take and actually make education interesting. You know, find other books, buy books, bring books, spend their money. Shout out to the teachers that spend their money. It's all of them. <laughs> oh my all gosh. <laughs> they don't even pay you guys and you're spending your own money making learning awesome. Oh my goodness, man. Shout out to the parents that care and, and volunteer. We have to take social responsibility for our own education. Um, historically speaking, being an autodidact was a great thing up until very recently, historically speaking, like for all of time. Royalty didn't even go to school. You were self-educated, self-taught, and they were like, ah, oh, that's good. And then you would go, you know, get your apprenticeship or, you know, go to a university at like 15 or 16 or something. Even the idea of like a teenager, you know, I was joking about that whole age, college and stuff like that, you know. They, they fed us a whole, a whole lot of layers of bullshit to sell us into s corporate slavery because it's not even race. Honestly, it's class. How can we, they realized, you know, it's too many creative minds. The American dream is real. And the nature of society is to create your own business. Outside of here, it doesn't matter. You could be a lifelong shoemaker, candle maker, barber, waiter, whatever you do, there was no, that's just what your family did. And you took pride in that. But then this whole blue collar, white collar, making this. There was a time where like a teacher is like a lawyer and a and a doctor, but and it didn't take long. So you're talking about like 50 years to change this. Where no, the teacher and the doctor are not living in the same neighborhood. They're not neighbors. They don't. They can't afford the same house. That's crazy. That's corporate. Oh my gosh. But also Capitalism. that, you know, who's going to work? Who's going to be a cog? You got to get used to accepting bullshit that makes no sense, being a part of something that you don't understand, sitting in a fucking desk for hours. You got to get used to that. It's not human nature to do that. Well, I refused. Whew. So we refuse. <laughs> we got a dog walker here. We got an artist here. We got a social activist right here Woo. who are just like, this education just isn't sitting right with me. I'm not going to be an American Express corporate yeah, financial man. advisor. I'm really bad at it. You know, and I, I wasn't going to do anything sitting. I tried to get a job behind a desk one day. I was just like, oh, this is horrible. I can't do this, <laughs> you know? And um, so for all the people out there who uh, 
don't want to accept those realities, don't accept it. The more that we create our own destinies, our own paths, the more that we fight these institutions and structures that uh, oppress us, try to keep us in line, so to say, um, the more we fight those, the more we're actually changing society and creating new norms and new ways of being. And we need to do more of that, um, especially right now, because um, this administration on the federal and our local level here in D.C., like they're not they're not the most innovative people in uh, trying to help humans actually advance to get what they need so that they can grow and be healthy, uh, self-actualized individuals. Um, it's more about, yeah, just like accept this shit and uh, let's let some people prosper and make our city look good hey. with their money. But really, there's this like. <laughs> bullshit. Yes, there's this bullshit behind the scenes. So, yeah, um, we can't be stopped. We won't be stopped. This baby won't be stopped. <laughs> and I have tremendous admiration for both of you who have chosen to lay roots or keep your roots here in this city, um, knowing the cost of living knowing the challenges of the public and charter education system and um, fighting for your children to get through it and still become healthy, happy beings and um, advocating so that other future children in these same institutions um, can have, and parents can have a better quality of education and quality of life. Major kudos to you major 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 because not everyone is doing it like we all just don't have the energy for it you know <laughs> so um yeah and uh this is this is one of the reasons that i asked you carla um to run for the dc democratic state committee because i knew what your values were and uh i knew that you were someone who fights and who isn't afraid to uh, be challenged by people and challenge other people for what you believe in. And I think that we need more of that spirit um, in the Democratic Party uh, locally and nationally because there's a lot of complacency and a lot of just like, well, I don't know what can be done. So I'm just going to keep going about my little silo and doing what I'm doing and get what's good for me, you know. But I just, I just see a lack of innovation. So mm -hmm. I see you as one of the people out there building bridges between... Uh, white and Latino um, affected communities in the school, you know? And um, I just think we all need to, to do more of that, bridging the gaps, coming together, because we all need you gotta be, you gotta the participate. same things, you know? You got to be in the conversations. You got to speak up and get your voice, let your voice be heard. And yeah. take education into your own hands, because they do not want us to be bright. Like, nope. For whatever reason, the agenda is not to have an educated American. They don't want to make sure that every single American can speak three languages, you know? You don't think Betsy DeVos is in there to really do her level oh best for God. all our children? I've no? never I've never <laughs> seen some of like just the worst <laughs> answers when questioned about yeah. anything. She's like <laughs> She's, she's like, like on she's like drugs a, or something when she's on TV. Like, like she's she's like a chicken nugget. Like that's about what she knows. She's it's like, like a deer in headlights. The only good thing I can say about all of this is like the jig is up for <laughs> but you know so many people. To it's us, not, but like, I'm like, dude, yeah, dude, who have, voted these people? In? Oh, they're all not up to them. They all went to my high school. 
like I have I have people on my Facebook feed. I've I've had to like make liberal use of the like I don't want to see unfriend your shit anymore. Button, like, unfollow. Like I I've I unfriended got someone because I found out that they voted and was a very strong Trump supporter. I just couldn't believe you it. Were like I can't. It's I like can't still. Do it. I just checked her page today and it's like, damn, she's still on it now. No. I gave her a little bit of time. Like uh, maybe you just don't see what I see. I'm not gonna do this. You'll see. <laughs> Wait a minute. I had somebody posting a thing about like. Everybody, let's all rally to Ted Nugent's side. The liberals are after him. And I was like, what? Like, wait. No, that guy definitely sang like a whole song about gang raping a teenager. Yeah, he did. So let's not, let's not support that man. So I was like, can't, can't watch it anymore. What is going Just on? What's going on in Western Maryland? You know, I can't ever move back to Western Maryland. I want to because, like, it's pretty. There's mountains. There's canoeing. There's hiking. There's farms close by. And the price of property is, like, super affordable. But then it's just, like, so much racism and so much ignorance. And I'm just like, no, I can never... I can never go back there. I just can't. I can't subject my child to uh, no to way to, to what I grew up with. Just the ignorance, you know. Yeah. And same thing on Facebook. I had to unfriend, unfollow some people um, over the last couple of years who were, you know, I thought they were nice people in high school or whatever, but they're just like so like all cops' lives matter, you know, and like anti. But, but so here's like one of the things that I get really frustrated is you know. How do we reach these people? And, like, I understand that, like, no. Because I, I understand that there's also, like, are we spending too much time being, like, how do we reach them? They're just so hard to reach. These, like, sad, poor white people. And they're just so angry. But, like, we have a third of this country that's out of its fucking mind. Like, what do we do? Like, we're becoming a nation of extremists. Like, it's, it's very alarming. Like, what do we what do we do? And I, I, I don't know. They're afraid of education. You can't even help them become educated because they think that like, you're going to conspire to pretend that there was a moon landing. <laughs> like you're like, no. I just don't know, Carla. I don't know. And so I'm, I have to try like, I just I feel like we just have to out organize them. Uh, honestly, part of me is just like, you know, People have the right to think and be what they want to be, even if it's completely opposite to my truth and my perspective. They have that right to live in that ignorance and in that hate. Um, it's my job as someone who values public education, who values the environment, who values the quality, healthy food that goes in my body, that values living wage jobs for everyone to organize other people with those same values and get those um, to be law and then work to implement those in our actual communities and make mm -hmm. that a reality. And then when people see over time, like, oh, I still live here. I'm not under attack because these people got paid sick days or because this this park was preserved or Obama whatever it was. never came and stole my <laughs> guns. Like, not even once. <laughs> you know, then it's just, then it's, then time just passes on and our reality becomes the reality and instead of that reality. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm not particularly interested in, Try you know, having hour long conversations with super conservative or racist people to prove to them that well, my life no or other people, yes, yeah, no, go ahead and be miserable and hate people. <laughs> go ahead and do that. I'm going to keep organizing over here mm -hmm. and just, you know, I'm gonna have this baby. 
and teach her about love and self-acceptance and sharing like sharing, I feel like a lot of people just weren't taught as children how to share. Yeah. <laughs> That's the root of a lot of our problems because people are afraid um, someone is going to take something from them. Yeah. Whereas my perspective, I was taught share. There's plenty for everyone, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like DC has the chance to be like such a freaking so great shining city on a hill. Like, I but know. like I want, but America. I want DC. No. But America. Just my response is going to be my metaphysical moment. I had to write it down so I remember. I'm excited. I think, yeah. I know we need it. I got the answer. I want to know what the answer is. I, I want to know what the so answer is. Serious. Yeah. I'm very curious. Were you, I didn't want to cut you off. Were you. Oh, no, no. I was mostly just going to like be depressed for a minute about the state of the country, but then also making Washington, D.C awesome and just being like see see assholes you too could have awesome but yeah man we're at the cusp of things it's a beautiful time what a time to be alive we are at the precipice the 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 opportunities yeah we do and when things get really bad like that's when they're about to get really good yeah or worse or worse and then they get better one way or the other yep (laughs) oh wait i I have one question for you guys because i'm curious to know what do you guys think about dream city the book I haven't read this book. Tell us about. Do you know it? No. Mm-hmm. Tell is that about Washington D.C.? It is. Um, Who wrote oh, it? Oh, D.C. So uh, Dream it's like a, City. it's a Tom Sherwood. Okay. Book. Okay. And like they What's just Tom Sherwood have to say. So I haven't finished it yet. Okay. But like, it a lot of it. It's a lot of it is about like Mary and Barry, and it's about um, when, you know, like when D.C. was first gonna have some form of home rule and. What's really like it, like the the racism was. I mean, you like, like shit. You can't believe like like an angry white Southern probably I forget um, dude that was like so mad that there were gonna be black people on the city council. Too many of them, in fact. That and a, I think a black mayor too, and he didn't like that. Um, he had a truckload of watermelons delivered to City Hall. He was like. Wow, it's super racist. So as you're reading it, like, like I would be really interested to talk to someone who like can read this from the perspective. Of, are you like has your family been in DC for a long time? No, my parents are not from DC, but no. they went to Howard. They went to Howard. Okay, I like I want to have like more like I would like to have like a book club of reading this because like I'm reading it with my perspective and I understand that like I come from you know my perspective is not. Like, I would like to hear other perspectives on it. Like, I'm so interested in seeing what they think about also kind of, like, the angle that Tom Sherwood, like, comes at it. Um, so, it'll be very interesting. Anyway, mm. sorry. It's neither here nor there. No, Dream City by Tom Sherwood. Oh. read it. A book about D.C. There's another Chocolate author. City. But I forgot the other guy's name. Well, shout <laughs> out to Ch- Tom Sherwood. He's uh, been covering <laughs> D.C. politics and... And history and what's going on at the D.C. Council for, like, a really long time. For a long time. Um, mm-hmm. He's an institution in D.C. himself. So mm-hmm. see him. Ev- I, I don't think I've really ever been to, like, there's very few times I've been to the Wilson Building or to a rally on uh, workers' rights, housing, anything, where he wasn't there covering it yeah. as well. So I uh, definitely appreciate his coverage and his D.C., general D.C. snarkiness. Um, hey, Shout out. Yeah. I, I love the Friday news roundup on, on the Kojo yes. show and he's so funny. I liked it. 
Yes, yes, yes. Another amazing DC institution, Kojo Namdi. Kojo Namdi. Yes. Yes, yes Evening Exchange. Hell yeah. <laughs> Which a uh, big crush on Kojo Namdi. Everyone loves Kojo. Everybody loves Kojo. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Dream City. I definitely want to check that out. Yeah. I'm fascinated by DC history. Um, it is a fascinating read. I like, yeah. yeah. I'll talk to you about it and like. When I finish it, I'll let's it talk to you. about it. Well, I want to transition to Jay's metaphysical moment, but before we do that, actually, just um, this is totally off topic, <laughs> totally off topic at this point. But I just wanted to shout out Janelle Monet <laughs> for uh, this weekend because she uh, um, last week dropped her album "Dirty Computer" and she developed a. a emotion picture to go along with it and it's just really really beautiful and it's just about the power of women and total self-expression and freedom and not being um not allowing yourself to be programmed by a society that is trying to keep you down basically, you know? And so it, I just wanted to shout out that if you haven't seen, or if you haven't listened to dirty computer or seen the dirty computer emotion picture, check it out. It's on YouTube. Just Google it or whatever. It's uh, visually <laughs> stunning, very inspiring. Um, I like her pants. Her pants are all of her pants are the sparkly ones, the clear ones with the roses, the like vagina flower pants. They're all amazing. She looks stunning um, in all of it. So if you're a fashionista, um, definitely watch it um, for inspiration as well. I know I am. But um, just our conversation, you know, about the education system and um, the uniforms and forcing kids to restrict their expression, to be quiet, all of that. It made me think of the messages in Dirty Computer. So um, we're going to keep fighting the power with Janelle Monet as our soundtrack. And uh, with that, I want to hear what this metaphysical moment is about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. We ready, we ready, we ready, we ready. Right. Snap, 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 snap. Snap, snap. So, yeah, you asked the question. And, you know, in advance, I realized that the message is always the same. <laughs> it's always about love. It's always one love. It is always one love. I said that we are at a cusp of times. We are at a time where we are just at the apex of certain things. We are at a time where it feels like it's it's very polarized, but that is because we have been living in a time of indecision and misinformation, but now we are in the information age. All things done in the dark will come to light and the truth. Well, your soul knows the truth. You cannot lie to yourself. You cannot lie to yourself. You can't lie to yourself. Once the truth is known, that's why they say that ignorance is bliss. When you do not know things, you don't know what you don't know. So you're just, where to childhood. The things you cannot even conceive, the ignorance, you just got to smile at somebody about. And then you start to know things, or you think you know things. We come locked into these strange identities. Sometimes we can get locked into these strange paradigms, forgetting that while everything is the same, everything is also brand new, as new as we choose to make it, and as new as we choose to transform it. So when we look at a world and we see hate, we must realize that we are called to be compassionate. 
And in this relative realm that we live in, we must we only know things in relativity. That's why it's the relative realm. We could exist in the realm of the absolute where all that is is all that is and there is no day and there is no night because you are in the absolute all of everything. You are an amorphous spirit that is not locked in a body in a human suit, gravity pulling you to the earth. You are the life that leaves when your body is left and that is here forever. You are so much more than whoever you are, whenever you were born, wherever you're from, whatever you call yourself to be, that is not who you really, really are. Who you are is a limitless expression of light that has come here to feel some things. Similar to how you don't know hot, you don't know heat, you don't know cold, you have no conception of it until you experience it. You may think you want to go visit the tropics you want to go to the caribbean you want to see the sunshine but you had no conception of that heat you've been to vegas you want to go you didn't know you didn't know until you felt it maybe you thought you wanted to feel the snow thought it was cool i love that at howard with the people who had never ever felt the snow they never knew what winter was but it looked so pretty they just didn't know how cold cold is you thought you knew Nah, but you were mistaken. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Depends on how you feel that day because we live in a relative realm where anything is only real because of how you feel about it. We don't remember things we don't feel. Whether you love it or hate it, your emotion is what locks that into your memory. So here we are with these feelings that make us real. We feel feelings, even humor. Why do we smile? Why do babies smile? What makes things funny? One of the things that we know in their different levels of mental capacity is the ability to understand humor. Some people get Seinfeld. Some people don't. It's a beautiful and divine gift to feel things. But we get caught up forgetting what we are supposed to make other people feel. That's why you're here. You, you, you're here to be compassionate. You're a loving person and you're puzzled by hate. Well, how could we know what a beautiful, loving person you were if it were not juxtaposed to those who were not. Have you ever been in love or had somebody love you and you did not know until you learned what it was not? <sighs> Goodness gracious, what you think you know when you do not know, what you think you have, who you think you are, what you think you're here to do, you gotta elevate it higher call yourself what patient really well how do you become patient without having to wait you must understand that for everything that you call yourself to be you call the opposite for you to stand and declare that you really are who you said you are are you for real you a good person how good are you you're not that good if the moment you see somebody bad or you see some things that are bad you start becoming this horrible person you failed what are you here for? What are you here to do? What I see is a lot of people being real indecisive. I see people who want negative things and their mind is focused. They waking up like I'm about to rob a motherfucker today. They know what they about to do. But the good people, they, yeah, do I want to bless them? I don't know if I want to bless them. I don't know. They want to, um, are you focused on being good? Are you out here like, huh, who am I going to bless today? Who, who, who won it? What's, what's the good act I'm about to do? Because people out here trying to rob. People out here just hateful, 
just hateful every day, just hateful, spewing out hateful things. How much loving activities are you putting out into the universe? Are you sitting here in indecision? Are you adding to the hate? What exactly is it that you are doing? You personally, you got to take it personal because it's a grassroots movement. It's a grassroots movement of really being actively, actively the opposite energy that you are experiencing right now. You got to be active with the love you have to give. Actively show love. Actively bring that out. We have so many people who do not smile. Word to being a woman. I understand. Um, I've been on this path for for a while where it took, it was a cognizant effort, it started, and now it's just so, like, joy is just in me every day, but really, like, smiling at men, just, just a smile and a nod. I was so used to not even acknowledging them sometimes, like, you know, street harassment is real, and I had just this, just really had locked myself into a paradigm I didn't realize I was bringing about. Because of this that I thought, that's what I was bringing. Because I'm projecting this attitude and I'm always mean, that's what I'm going to get back. We're not going to talk about things that make a woman decide not to, stop, not to smile. Things that take your joy away. Things that give you the darkness. Things that bring you down. Because these things happen. And you know what I love to say? And the absolute value of the awesomeness of you. Oh my goodness. The absolute value absolute value there is no negative there is only positive and depending on how great you are going to be that's a lot of pressure that's going to have to take for you to make that diamond you cannot have a diamond without the pressure you cannot shine without pressure it is impossible it's like literally impossible so for all those great folks who have greatness in their mind and great things that they want to do and great things that they want to feel and great things that they want to bring you're going to have great pressures but it's all right because you are built for it can't nothing break you you are unstoppable you are a limitless source of divine energy and light no matter what you choose to do, you always are who you were. Where so when you was talking earlier about, you know, having that job, that moment when you are living in the not of you and you just got to be like, this ain't me. It won't be me no more. It's okay. It's never too late because you always are you. You always know who you are. You cannot lie to yourself, no matter how dark life may make you on the outside. Never forget your absolute value. You got to love actively, actively love, yo. Who the fuck am I going to love today? That's my message. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. You know, and with that, I'm going to ask all the viewers, please help J. Mills, Nikki M. G. Lewis, <laughs> and Carla Ferris shine. Yes. Um, we're under a lot of pressure right now running for something. We are running for the Democratic State Committee because we want to bring our stories, our perspectives, our shine into the Democratic Party and be a new light and a new energy and help us and our people shine. So please vote for us on June 19th. Yep, and... Yes. Uh, we are all on the Dump Trump Dems for Action slate. I want to thank Carla Ferris Artiga for joining us thank on you. our show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I want to thank Jay Mills, as always, for the wisdom nugget, chock full uh, metaphysical moment. And I want to thank... Molly Ruland, who is not with us tonight. She yes, is on, she is. She's on the planet Asgard. She's with us. Doing super cool in things. In spirit. <laughs> and 
and uh, to the whole crew, Nick, Mike, uh, thanks for helping run our show as always. We mm-hmm. love everyone at One Love Massive. Shout out to the Shaw neighborhood and for being just all up in it, DC. We'll see y'all next week and uh, stay shining. Peace, y'all. All right. <laughs>